0: Well, good morning, nice to see you guys this morning, and for those of you that don't know, this is my very first time to preach and share with you this morning, technically I had round one a little bit ago at 9 to 15, so this is round two for me, um, and I'm just honored and blessed, can we honor our pastors though, Pastor Brian and Pastor Alicia, yes, They believe in me. I've been connected and and led under them for the past nine and a half years. Um, They continue to pour into me and believe in me. um, As that's Pastor Brian's heartbeat for every person in this house um, to believe in in you and what you have, uh, what God has for your life. Um, So, those of you that have have maybe never met me before, my name is Jennifer. I'm married to this amazing man, Strawberry Blonde right there. Um, We've been married for 16 years, um, and we have two amazing boys. um, one is Ethan who's 10 and the other one is Eli who is five and so my heart is full and blessed by them um, and all that God does in our lives um, so we're gonna get into Ruth this morning so um, for those of you that don't know Ruth is actually only one of two books in the Bible named after a woman so it was really cool to be like yeah I'm gonna preach out of, of Ruth and, and and how incredible she is and as I studied her I even just begin to fell, fall in love with who she was and what she stood for um, and the title of this message, um, if you like titles, is called Determination is Key. And so anything that I want you to take away from today is that Ruth was determined to step into her purpose, and that was key in, in her fulfilling what God had for her life. All right, so to give you a little background before we get into the scripture I'm going to start with, so we have here at the beginning of the story, we have Elimelech, and um, he has, he's married to Naomi, and they have two sons, and they live in Bethlehem in Judah, and during this time that they're living there, there is a great famine and um it's it's hard times, right? And as I was studying Elimelech was used to um being well, like he was well off. He had a lot of uh, wealth and so he didn't want to really survive in the famine and so he made the choice to pick up and leave and take his family to Moab and there is where all of their needs um, got met there. While they were there Elimelech happens to pass away um, and she's left there with her two sons and in that time they marry Moabite women. So Kilion marries Orpah and then we have Ruth who marries Malon. And then while they're still there, about 10 years, both of of Naomi's sons also pass away. So then she finds out that um, Bethlehem, that famine is lifted. It says the Lord began to um, provide food again. And so she makes the decision to turn back and go home to Bethlehem. So we're going to pick up right there in Ruth 1. And we're going to start in verse 8. And it says, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law. See, they made the choice to go back with her at this moment. Go back, each of you, you should go back to your mother's home. May the Lord be as kind to you as you were to me and our loved ones who have died. May the Lord repay each of you so that you may find security in a home with a husband. When she kissed them goodbye, they began to cry loudly. They said to her, we are going back with you to your people. At this moment, both, both daughters-in-law are going to choose to go back. But then we go on. But Naomi said, go back, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Do I have any more sons in my womb who could be your husbands? Go back, my daughters. Go, because I'm too old to get married again. If I said that, I still have hope. So she's without hope in this moment. And if I had a husband tonight, and even if I gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up and stay single just for them? Can't you hear her sarcasm there? No, my daughters, my bitterness is much worse than yours because the Lord has sent me so much trouble. So here we look at Naomi. She's without hope, and she's full of bitterness. They begin to cry loudly. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth held on tightly. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for this whole series on purpose. I thank you that every person here believes and knows that they have a purpose. And help us to see that, Father God. Help us to learn from Ruth and her determination today. Help my words to be your words today. And help every heart, every hunger heart to hear what you have to say and what you are speaking to this house today. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're at this scene here and we've got... Naomi, and we've got her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And they're at this crossroads. See, I believe Naomi is to the point of full-on bitterness and without hope. She's angry and mad. And she's not just mad. She's mad at God. It says that she blames God to a point of saying, the Lord has sent me so much trouble. She went to Moab full, and she's leaving back empty. She lost her husband and both of her sons. And at this moment in time, Naomi has no purpose left. I believe that she says, I was called to be a wife. I was called to be a a mother. The Lord has taken everything from me, and now I I have no hope left. I'm full of bitterness, and I'm done. And I think she was done with her daughters-in-law. She was done with, with the reminder of what they were. She didn't want to have them connected to her. She was ready to go back to Bethlehem, just live out the rest of her life. She says, I'm too old. I'm just done. I have nothing left to offer you. Go back to where you can fulfill your purpose. So we look at Orpah here first, and we see Orpah, and she's presented with this this decision, right? At first, she goes with her, and then even the first time that Naomi says go, she says, no, I want to go with you. But then once again, when Naomi says, listen, I have nothing for you. I have no sons. I have nothing to offer you. Go back to where you're from. Go find a husband and find security. And Orpah made the decision at that moment, She says, you're right. You know, you're right. I don't don't think that I'm supposed, you have nothing to give me. I don't want to go to where I'm a foreigner. I don't want to go back to your land. I will. I'll go back to what's comfortable. And in my studying, I begin to find out that it is believed that Orpah and Ruth could have been sisters and that they were Moabite princesses. So when you begin to think about what they were saying goodbye to when they married these Israelite men, they said goodbye to that. But when given the option again, Orpah says, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I had a lot back in Moab. I had a lot taken care of. It was it was comfortable. It was secure. I bet I can find a husband. You're right, I'm going to go back. And she turns away and leaves Naomi. And how many times do maybe we've been presented with that, right? Like, like the world gives me what I need. Like I need that. Like I'm going to satisfy my flesh. That makes me happy. When I do this, I'm happy. When I do this, I'm fulfilled and I'm satisfied. And it's so much easier to lean on the world and take from that than it is to step out of your comfort zone and to go into something that God is calling you to do. See, that was scary for those women. Naomi not only was going back, but at least she was going back to where she came from, but she was going back with no husband and no sons. See, a woman at that time, you had to lean on the men in your life, right? You had to lean on everything. It wasn't like it was easy for them at that time. And so she, she decides to lean on, and I just think so many of us can learn from Orpa and saying, man, do I do that sometimes? Do I go back to the world? Like, I lean on God and I trust God, but then I keep stepping in the world. And the world makes me happy, and the world satisfies me, Um, And so for me, um, a little bit about a little background of me, Um, I was saved at seven. I was brought up in church till I was 10. Um, And my parents loved God, but they divorced when I was um, 10. And so at that moment, my world kind of broke and and was very different than what I was used to. Um, And then in high school and college, I very much lived in the world. I met my husband my senior year of high school. We both work at Outback Steakhouse, and I met him, and we quit. Quickly, um, got married and it's been amazing 16 years for him. But for that first few years <laughs> Huh? Did I, oh I must have said something weird. Uh, for you. Yeah, right. I know. I'm awesome, right babe? No. Anyways. Um, Um, now I'm all, you know, anyways, so, uh, so anyways, it's been, it's been an amazing time, but in that time, we just lived of the world, like, we, we took, partook of what the world had to offer, I was in college, we worked at a restaurant, you can imagine, you know, party life was definitely our scene, and so we relied on that um, so much, and so whenever I graduated college in 2007, I am a teacher, and so um, I have taught kindergarten seven years, I stayed home, and then I went back and I'm going into my fourth year in second grade. Um, And so like I told the other service, I have a teacher voice sometimes. I'm so sorry if that comes out. And I tell them you can talk to my husband about how he feels about that teacher voice (laughs) that comes out. Um, So anyways, God immediately placed me in a job. I hadn't even fully graduated yet and I got a job and God was in that. Um, And then within two weeks, my sister and brother um, were going to the youth group and they immediately got us Connected. So we had only lived here for a short time and we immediately got plugged into into a church. And God began to look at it and now and He uprooted us out of the world, like Orpah's option, right? She could have been uprooted out of her world and stepped into something great, but she chose to turn back. We, when given the option, we said, Oh, God, you are so much better than what the world has to offer. We tasted that fruit. We didn't like it. We want you, we want what you have. And so from that point when we moved here, it has been amazing what God. God has done in and through our lives, and so, um, so that's a little bit about me and my background, um, and getting to step into what God has for me, and with that decision. And so, my first point to you is: purpose can only come when you cling to God and let go of the world. See, both women were presented with this option. Orpah could have clung to Naomi like Ruth did, but she chose the world and left Naomi. But when we look at verse 14, it said, but Ruth held on to her tightly. She did not let go. Ruth is rejecting her. She's wanting her to go. She's not wanting any reminder of Moab. She's so done. She's so bitter. Now let's look at Naomi for a minute. She's lost everything She's lost her husband, her reliance on him. She's lost her two sons. She's angry and done with what what has left for her. And at this moment, no purpose is left for her. She's done. See, I can relate to Naomi. Like, if I lost Brandon, I told the other service, like, he does everything. And this front row really knows all that Brandon does. (laughs) So if I didn't have him, I mean, he cleans, he cooks. I'm an awful cook. He's an amazing cook. All these things, I know that I'd be in a corner somewhere being like, I don't know how to do life. Like, I don't know what to do. I know people would have to literally pull me out of that bitterness and anger and frustration and just not even knowing to get me back into my purpose. So I can relate to that, right? Can't you see her? She's so done. But what does Ruth do? Is Ruth affected by her bitterness? She's not. She says, you have something that I need. I'm supposed to be with you. I'm going to hold on tightly and not let go. And so she chose to let the world go and cling to what God had for her. So if we look, and we're going to go into verse 15. It says, Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. See, I believe Orpah never let go of her gods, never let go of her people. Even being married to Kilion, I still don't believe that she was fully able to say goodbye to it. Go back with your your sister-in-law. But Ruth answered, and I love what Ruth says here. She's so determined. Remember, determination is key. Don't force me to leave you. Don't make me turn back from following you. So if she's saying, don't force me to leave you, that means Naomi is being probably pretty brutal and pretty real at that moment, right? That she's just like, I am done with you. Go. Like, how many times do I need to tell you to go, Ruth? Get off me and go. (laughs) Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. So she let go of her gods in this moment, and she clung to the one and true God. In studying her and, her and her history, it was said that she was always a virtuous woman. She was always someone that was real and, and didn't want to really partake in her world. See, in her world, in Moab, they worshipped many gods, right, little g, and that there was one god that was, it was so brutal that they would sacrifice their own children too, Right? How disgusting is that? She was done. She saw it. She began to see the truth of what was happening in her world. And she said, I'm done. Your God is my God. As we look in 17, it says, wherever you die, I will die. And I will be buried there with you. May the Lord strike me down if anything but death separates you and me. Man, that determination to say, Naomi, I don't really care what you're saying right now. I know you've been through a lot. But listen, I'm called to you. I'm called to be connected to you. And the only thing that's going to separate me is death. To the point where she's like, I'm buried where you're buried. Like, that is like, there's nothing that will ever separate the two of us. What amazing determination and being so focused on who she, where she's supposed to go, who she's supposed to follow. So my second point to you is who are you supposed to follow? Is there someone that you're supposed to be connected to despite how they act about you? Maybe they don't even like you, right? Like maybe they don't even want to be around you, but you say, I feel like I'm called to you and what you have inside of you. I'm called to what you're doing and where you're going. So wherever you go, I will go. So for me in my own my own story I was we had been in the church for a couple years and I had my first son he was a year and a half And all of a sudden, I mean, I was in love with God and I was excited about what he was doing. And God began to call me up out of just being coming to the church and call me to serve. And so I knew Pastor Brian and Pastor Alicia. I wasn't very close to them yet. Um, We're incredibly close now. But at that time, you know, they knew of me, but we we hadn't really had a relationship yet. But because my sister and and her brother were in the youth group and and just the things that they began to see in me, they offered me a position to become as a youth leader and at the time I was like cool but that's scary and you know there was even a moment of like what do I have to offer and um, and all these things to step into but I ended up saying yes and little did I know I stepped into my dark room that was that moment listen I I turned and I follow God but it wasn't until I was presented this option to step into what God had for me that's when I said okay I choose the dark room and it was dark. Listen, like, I'm a person that likes people. I, I'm outgoing. It's, people don't scare me, and I, but I like to be liked. Like, I don't want you to not like me, you know, like, so I may have an issue with that, um, but I want people to enjoy to be around me, and when I stepped in as a youth leader, that did not happen. <laughs> when I stepped in, um, you know, you know, different leaders had, they had their friends, and they had their closeness, and and youth kids are not very nice, and, um, you know, so it was really hard, and like I said, my sister was in there, and she was 15, and I was 25 at the time, and I would, like, cling to her, right, like, okay, I'm gonna, like, be close to you, she's like, get off me, like, go find friends, I'm like, but no one likes me. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, I would get anxiety when I was about to come to the youth. I mean, it was scary. And I'm not talking about, like, oh, the first few times you did it. No, like, months of doing it. Like, I would go home and I would I would put on a face there, but then I'd go home and I'd just cry. And I'd be like, I don't know how to do this. Like, no one is really opening their arms to me. Like, I don't know, like, why am I doing this? Why did God call me to do this? I don't even really like teenagers. Like, why? I, you know, like they're cut. Kind of, no, no offense to any teenagers in here, but like I just felt like they were rude and self focused. And, um, you know, I just didn't really like it. But God said that I should do it. And every time in that dark room when I would go in and I would have emotions and I would be filled with rejection and fear and anxiety and just all these things that were attacking me and just that, that not feeling of being wanted, right? God said, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this because someone asked you to do it? Are you doing this because you need to make friends or you want to feel apart, part or you want to serve because you love me but like is that all the reasons or are you doing this because I told you to do this? And every time I would want to quit and every time I would want to say, listen, like, this is too much. This is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Every time God said, but I called you to do this. But I told you to do this. And I was supposed to be connected To them. They had a heartbeat and a culture that I got to cling to. That I began to learn under them and teach and grow. And I feel like I grew so quick as a leader. See, in the beginning, God let it be to where no one was my influence of why I stayed. I feel like he made sure that he said, Listen, in this dark room. Deal with the emotions of rejection. Deal with the emotions of not having a friend that you can cling to. Deal with all this, and then I'm going to step you out of there, and it's not that you need people to confirm why you're supposed to do anything. I don't need someone to tell me I'm supposed to do this. God did, and maybe you can help me fulfill that, but that's not why I did it. That's not why I choose to go this path. That's not why I choose to serve. So I ask you, like, things that you do and things that you step in for God, do you do it because God told you to do it? Or do you do it because someone asked you or you saw a need to be met and you just did it for that? But you really don't love doing it. You really don't have any passion doing it. So you have to find that passion. I didn't know how passionate I would become for youth kids. See, I taught little ones But then I got to pour into youth girls. I got to have the option to begin to give them the love that they weren't getting from their family. I began to give them the things that God needed to pour into them. And if I hadn't been obedient, I couldn't have reached them. A few years into leading, I had a girl call me at 12 o'clock at night, and she was about to commit suicide. She was, she was done with life. She felt rejected, and on the outskirts, she wouldn't think she would feel that way, but inward, she, we were able to connect where she could reach out to me, and praise the Lord, she did not make that decision, and if I did anything other than that moment, that was enough. I've gotten to pour in, and there's still a few girls that I still get to pour into even from that time. But it was amazing for God to do what he did and to show me, here's the two people you're called to follow. Here's what you're called to do in. But I am your encourager. I am the one that says you are qualified. I am the one that says you're enough. I am the one that says that I want you to do something amazing. It's not a person. I love encouragement. Like, it helps me. And these people up here, man, they encourage me so, so much. Pastor Alicia will constantly text me, and I'll be like, oh, man, I just feel good about myself. You know, and so so now I have that. But at the time, God needed it just to be him. See, it's great to feel that, but that's, again, not why I do this. They ask asked me, you know, a while ago to to set the date for me to share, and it was amazing and it was awesome, but also very stepping out of my comfort zone. And they physically asked me, but it was the God inside of them that said, okay, now it's time for her to do this. And so it's awesome when I get to step into a new avenue of my purpose and people hear from God, but again, it's his voice. The very first thing that God told me whenever Pastor Brian said the dark room was what he was going to do, God said, in a dark room, you may not be able to see, but you can hear. And the enemy wants you to see all your emotions. He wants you to see all your fears. He wants you to see all your circumstances. But God says, but you need to listen. You need to listen. You can't see me, but you can hear me. You can hear my voice. And so like I told you, every time I was presented the option to quit, God said, nope, I told you to do this. And I should be enough. And what I said should be enough. And I begin to rely on God and just obey. Every time God told me to do something and step into something new, it's because I heard his voice first and someone confirms it and I just listen and I obey. All right, so if we go on and we look in verse 18, that's the last section we're going to look at. And it says, when Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she ended the conversation. So in this moment, I believe that Ruth was pretty much, didn't really see them as daughters. She called them daughters, but then, you know, she refers to them as daughters-in-law a lot. And I still think to her, again, they're this reminder of Moab This country that took her entire family and left her bitter and empty. But in this moment, when she saw Ruth was determined to go wherever she was going to go and die wherever she's going to die, she says, okay, I see your determination. And at this moment, both women step into their purpose. Naomi thought she was done. She thought she was finished, that her purpose was over. I was called to be a wife and mother. That's done. God's left me empty and done. And we even look at in, in chapter, two, or yeah, chapter 2, we see Naomi even says, do not call me Naomi, which means sweet. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Not only am I bitter, name me bitter. Like, call me that. That's how bitter I am. And see, she's bitter even in her dark room because I believe in this moment, she says, okay, I see your determination. I'm ready to call you mine. And I believe that she became her daughter. At that moment, she was ready to pour into Ruth. However, it's not like, oh, at that moment, her bitterness left. She's still bitter. She was still angry. She was still frustrated. When you step into the dark room, it doesn't mean all your emotions just leave. Actually, I think the opposite. God begins to reveal things That you lean on. You lean on your emotions. You lean on these things. I needed people to make me feel good. God said, nope, that needs to be cut off. You go back to Pastor Brian's message of the vine. Yep, that needs to be cut off. Nope. I can't step you out of this dark room until I cut some things off and I begin to have the fruit of the spirit begin to come through you. But you got to go through it. So she steps into that full of bitterness, full of anger, um, but still now begins to have a, a new purpose. Ruth begins to become her purpose. And Ruth is determined to follow everything she's supposed to follow. So when you read on, Ruth obeys everything Naomi tells her to do. She listens and she obeys. My third point is determination will keep you in your purpose. The moment you go into that dark room, you better understand that that you are on the enemy's radar. Now you're about to learn who you are. You're about to understand what you are made for right? And it's not about you, but all glory to him. See, nothing for me up here or anything that I've ever done in this church, all glory to him. And I'm just willing to say, God, I'm willing to listen and obey and allow you to flow through me because that person needs you. In this situation, they need you. And it can't be about me. It has to be about you. It can't be how I feel and that made me feel good. No, it has to be about you and what you've called me to do. And Ruth knew it. She said that country I came from. disgusts me. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't want any of the money it has to offer. I don't want any of the things that I can have. Because we know Moab was well off, right? That's why they went there. They were doing well, right? And so she's able to leave all that and say, but I'm ready to go into a land that I'm a foreigner Like, back then, it was not, like, seen well if you were a woman from another country. I was telling in the Old Testament, listen, God was like, kill all of them, women and children. Sometimes you read the Old Testament, you're like, man, God, that's kind of harsh. Like, I just think of my own kids, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, but, but but why? Because those women, right, if they really never left their God, they would influence the men they marry. And it happened time after time, right? Men were easily influenced by the woman's God as opposed to the, to the men's God. I feel like that could preach, I don't know, a little bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's just, it, so, but the cool thing about Ruth is, and we see why she's so incredible, she truly left it. She truly said, I don't want those gods. I don't want what Moab has to offer. I want you, God. I want the one and true God. Because she looks at Naomi and she says, "Your God. Will be my God. I'm going because I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm called to who's inside of you. See, it's not always the person. The person's great, right? Like sometimes you may have someone, they're great. Like Pastor Brian, Pastor Alicia, great. Like I love being friends with them, but I follow them and I lead them because of the God inside of them. They listen and they obey to everything God's supposed to do in this house and and then taking rechurch outside of this house. And that's what I'm called to do. And that's who God saw. Say, I'm connecting you to them. And you are supposed to follow them. I look back and I think, in that moment where Orpah and Ruth, we look at both of them and they had this moment in time where they had a choice to make. I look at me and I say, oh my gosh, I could have still just said, that's too scary, And I'm too uncomfortable, and I just don't wanna do that. I don't know where I'd be. I'm gonna be real honest with you. I have no idea where I would be right now. But because I listened, and I obeyed and I said, all right, I got through it. And my whole time leading as a youth leader was incredible. It ended up being amazing. And I look back and I'm like, man, I look time and time again where I would step in my purpose and then I'd go back in my dark room and I'd step in my purpose and I'd go back in. But because I was following who I was supposed to follow, I was connected who I was supposed to, and I clung to God and not the world. And the world will always be tempting to you. It will always try to entice you and try, and try to help you be fulfilled by the world. But I promise you, you will always be left unsatisfied. You will always be left wanting more. And only God can offer that to you. So when we're thinking about um, this this whole time with with Naomi and Ruth, we see that um, Naomi begins to um, pour into Ruth. Like I said, she begins to teach her and she begins to show her um, what uh, what all she was called to do. And everything that Naomi said she was going to do for Ruth to do, she did it. Every time she said, okay, you tell me to do this, I'll do it. You tell me to do this, I'll do it. And she was so obedient and so connected to Naomi and and what both of those women could fulfill and do. Um, And despite Naomi's disappointments, right, like she, again, she's in this dark room. Despite everything she was feeling, she still was able to say, God, okay, I'll listen and I'll pour in and I'll listen and I'll pour in. And as we see Ruth, we see what happens later on as you read on, um, you see her go into some, some amazing things. And for me, it was like when I could relate to Ruth, it was amazing to see that launching pad for me. And I was determined no matter what to step into what God had for me. And I just so grabbed a hold of her whole message of just true determination. No matter what anyone says, no matter what anyone does, God's called me to do it, and I'm determined to follow my purpose. So what she does is um, she, she does end up meeting Boaz, which is a Limelech's relative, um, and he does take her as a wife. And um, they, be, they um, end up having her whole purpose was the fact that she was the great-grandmother of King David. Right, like how incredible that is. We don't hear about Orpah again in the Bible, but we do hear about Ruth. And her whole purpose was to bear King David. And again, we see what? This whole lineage of Jesus in that. And something really awesome that I begin to see God do and show was that Ruth brings in the bloodline of Jew and Gentile. Right? Like how incredible. Like Ruth gets to be the one that says, listen, this is why the Savior's gonna come. I've got the bloodline to prove that you that Gentile is just as much right for Jesus as Jew is. How incredible of a purpose that was. Naomi almost stopped her from fulfilling this incredible destiny she was called to fulfill. It's so incredible what God can do in your life, and people can stop you from doing that. But if you are determined to say, I hear God's voice, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to follow his voice and nothing else. Who knows what you can bear? Who knows what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to touch, who, who is going to come from you pouring into them what they can do in God. You're called to greatness. Don't let anyone or anything stop you from your purpose. A side note, my sister and a few others are, are really wanted me to share this part of it. When studying, it is believed that Orpah could be the mother of Goliath. So to have her destiny be that she bears Goliath and that we have Ruth whose destiny is to end up being the great grandmother of King David. And David what is we all know what he does what, what two different ways to look at. See so you can have this choice What are you going to bear? Are you going to keep leaning on the world? Are you going to keep trusting in the world and what the world has to offer? Or are you going to say, God, no matter what it feels like, no matter if it's comfortable or not, I'm going after you. I'm determined to follow you. I'm not going to let anything or anyone stop me. And that was Ruth. Even in all of that, see, no encouragement, no encouragement from any person. I didn't have that in the beginning either, but it was so crucial for me, and I believe it was crucial for Ruth to stay in Israelite, to stay in Bethlehem, and and to truly fulfill and obey, she had to be determined, no matter what, that I'm going to do everything that Naomi says, because I know Naomi connects me to God. And then she gets her own connection to God, right? She gets fulfilled with the one and true God and she lives out her purpose. Naomi lives out her purpose. She pours into Ruth. And then it is said that she's the guardian of Obadad, who is the grandfather of David. So when you think about both of them in one thing are fulfilled and, and what they were supposed to do was all fulfilled because they were connected to each other and they followed the one and true God. And I just encourage you in that. Don't allow circumstances, situations, or anything someone says over your life to stop you from what you're called to do. Be determined. You don't need a bunch of people to tell you and uplift you. You need God. Remember, dark room, only his voice. That's all I had to hear. And I kept going, and I kept being a youth leader, and now I'm stepping out even in other areas because I hear his voice and no one else's. And I don't let anything or anyone stop me from what God said that I'm supposed to do. So I just encourage you today to, to grab a hold of that. Maybe you need that new fire inside of you to be fully determined. You need to, or maybe you need to be like Orpah. You need to let the world go a little bit more. You're clinging to the world. And you can look at your life and you can say, maybe I'm holding on to the world more than, more than God. Maybe I am like an Orpah. Maybe you're like a Naomi and you're bitter. You're angry at where you're at right now. You're angry at the things that maybe you feel like God's taken away from you. Maybe you feel like all these things. But God has so much for you. Remember what the enemy means for bad, God is going to turn it into good. So don't allow the enemy to convince you it was God that took it. Allow God to change your circumstances into something great. Allow him to transform your life and say, God, I just need you. If you will go and stand with me. Maybe that is you, any of those three women, that you feel any of those any of those areas where you need that determination back in your life. You need to let go of the world, or you need to cling to who you're supposed to follow. I encourage you today to get ready to grab a hold of greatness. Get ready to, to pick up that purpose that maybe you laid down. Maybe you think you're too old. Naomi thought she was, but she wasn't. She still had things to do. She still had a calling that God had for her life. And we look at the lineage of everything that transpired because of Ruth's determination. I encourage you to uh, to give it to God today. Let God move in your life. Let God begin to show you, talk to you, listen. Sometimes we just don't listen. Sometimes we just don't know because we don't hear. And I encourage you to get away in that dark room and allow God to speak over your life. If that's you today and you feel like either one of those women and you're ready to have something new today, you're ready for a new fire to be lit in you, you're ready for something great to happen, if you'll just raise your hand so I can pray over you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else that says, I need more. I need more. I have a purpose. I have a will. I have a destiny. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for right now in this moment a fire being ignited, and every person that's hand is raised or not raised, Father God, that you're doing something great. I thank you that their spiritual ears in this moment are open to you. I feel that so heavy. I feel that so heavy that you're not hearing. You're not hearing. I'm speaking. I'm speaking, but you're not hearing. Open your ears. God's going to begin to pour into your life and put, a, put begin to tell you where to go, who to follow, where to step, what to say, what to do. Thank you for those emotions, Father God, that we will deal with those, but then we will be ready to step into what you have. We thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that every person right now in this moment believes that you are their Savior and that you have something amazing for their lives. We thank you. We proclaim it, and we give it over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to offer, if anyone has never made Jesus their Lord and Savior, if you if you don't know what it's like to follow him, maybe all this of like what Ruth did of following God, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't really have never really given your life over to God. I want to give you that opportunity. Also, if you have, maybe you've been saved young, but you're ready to come back. You're ready to have a new life and a new fulfillment in God. Either one of those, if you will please raise your hand. If you've never made God your Lord and Savior, or if you're ready to go back to God, you're ready to follow him and say, God, you are my king, you're my God. If you will just raise your hand, we just wanna give you this opportunity to make the best decision in your life that you could ever make to follow him. Anyone that feels like amen, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else that says God, I need you. You're my savior. You're my king. I'm ready to make it make it right today. All right, if you'll just repeat this fair prayer. Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus died on a cross for all those sins. And today, I I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I pray today for my purpose and my determination to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to connect you with someone in the back. So if you made that decision today, let's give them a hand clap. We have a book for you, and we want to get you connected um, with that person, so you'll just catch him in the back. Thank you so much.